Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Easter was only a week ago. It was a great Easter last week. I know many of you were here. It was fantastic to celebrate Jesus. Easter is not just one day of the year. We're the Easter people, and we celebrate throughout the year who Jesus is, the risen Savior. But it was super fun last week. With We had a choir back there. Uh, we had pancakes. We had... Easter eggs to eat. I don't know why, but we did a lot of them, hundreds of them. Friends, family, and so good to gather. I know Princeton, as Daniel already mentioned, had a wonderful week as well. Uh, Easter dinner is always something I look forward to. We tend to, at Christmas, have turkey, and then usually at Easter, uh, we'll have a ham. I know some of you don't have ham, but I do. And uh, we're having a spiral cut ham, which is what I like, and I had seen this uh, little recipe about smoking it uh, and then a, a little glaze on it and everything like this. So I was like, I'm going to do this. We have a smoker in the back and it was, took a couple hours, two, three hours and it was smoking and first there was no smoke and then finally we got smoke happening and it was a whole process and poured this glaze over it for the last half hour, which is a, apricots and uh, brown sugar, a lot of sugar, yeah, butter mm, and then some pineapple in there, poured it over it. And uh, let it continue to get into the meat. It was really, really good. And then the last 10 minutes or so, just turn it up a little bit, it said, so it can kind of candy on there. If you can, mm, that's so good. Uh, thinking about it right now. Uh, candy it up on there. And so I did that and I went into the house. It was just going to be like 10 minutes. <laughs> you have no faith in me. And it's probably accurate. So I went out there like 10 minutes later and there was flames coming out the roof. <laughs> like flames, like about this high. And I was like, Ugh. So I run over to it and it has a big door. It's like, it's about this tall. So I opened the door and a flame came out at me about three feet. I had to jump back and there's my ham in there. And I'm like, Ugh, no devil's gonna steal my ham right now. So I'm reaching through flames and I'm pulling it out. I'm getting burned on my hand and I put it out. And the flame was like, it was close to the house. I'm like, it's, maybe the house is going to burn down. This could be a good thing. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My house is older, so it's, you know, there's things I got to fix or there's other things. I didn't do it. <laughs> so the fire is going and everything and Windsor is at the door. Fire, fire. <laughs> I scared, I scared. <laughs> I'm scared too. Put the fire, I got a, which you should all have under our uh, cabinet. Uh, we have a little uh, miniature fire extinguisher. We put the fire out. I put the fire out. There was smell, there was smoke, but my ham made it and it was really good. <laughs> and there's a nice little propane bottle right beside the fire too, which just is another added bonus. The reality was this, this fire happened suddenly, unexpectedly, and had great potential for harm for a lot of people, including my whole neighborhood. But I wonder how many of us have noticed that similarly, in conversations with people or on social media, things can go from zero to 200 in like one comment. Whether it's on social media or it's in person or whatever, that there is a high capacity for something to go. Anybody else notice that around our world? No, okay. 
Where are y'all living? Okay. People that maybe are easily offended and get conversations fired up really quickly. Some people have called it the age of rage. And isn't it true that even many Christians can sometimes be angry and offended and raging? None of you, but you probably know somebody. But what is the response as disciples or followers of Jesus in a world that's on fire with rage and hatred, all kinds of stuff? How can we lead in the opposite spirit? We live in a culture where people get offended about things that were not offendable you didn't know. And suddenly a comment can turn into, you're canceled. Not just we, didn't dis we disagree with your comment, but we're going to cancel you and everything about you and everything you've ever done. In a moment, erase. It's not real life. So as followers of Jesus, we have to be careful that as Romans 12 says, we do not conform or live in the same way that the world lives if you're a follower of Jesus. See, the culture is always trying to conform us to its way and its pattern, rage and outrage and offense and I'm offended and, and I didn't know I was offended, but now I'm offended for you and you're offended for me and everybody's offended and walking on eggshells. That's the pattern of the world. But Romans says that we should be transformed, not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by changing the way that we think so that we change the way that we act. We look and live differently in the world that we're a part of. So we're going to be, over the next five weeks, going through a new series called No Offense. That's one of those scary words when someone says, oh, says something to you and said, no offense. Too late. Already happened. <laughs> Sorry. No offense. We're not going to hit everything in one week or in one sermon, so it's important probably that you're here or listening over the next four or five weeks because if something is not missed or is incomplete today, it's because you can't preach everything about offense in one week. <laughs> but don't be offended. Yeah, well, but we likely all have things that offend us, have our own thing that you don't even have to think about and suddenly you're offended. For me, it's when I'm in traffic in Surrey. Really, like I find out how much I need Jesus when I'm driving in traffic and I'm like, seriously, we're going this side and someone like has to race by you to get past you one car and slide in in front and then they go slow. Bro, what are you doing? Or the person who cuts you off or the person that's wandering about the lane and you're like careful behind them and then you go by and they're on their phone or texting somebody or the, or you're, my favorite is when you're at a long line at the left turn lane and the green arrow is flashing and the guy at the front is, <laughs> and it flashes and flashes and suddenly he sees it at it's flashing yellow. He races through and everybody else's. None of you, I know, but that's just my cross to bear. Offense happens. Yesterday we were in Campbell River uh, for a memorial service for some uh, older friends of ours and catching up with people after the service who've known since I was in my 20s. And we were, they were talking about this little gag thing that I used to do called Mr. Green. 
I'm not going to say more than that, but as a guy that I, I became, a, <laughs> this guy, Mr. Green, he'll show up somewhere. I think I feel like I got to bring him out of retirement, but I wore a green suit that was just ugly and everything, slicked my hair back. It was a whole thing. And this guy was like, that was so funny when you used to do that. He said, do you still have that suit? I'm like, bro, I don't have the suit anymore. And that was about 25 pounds ago. And someone nearby says, oh, I think it was more than that. All right, good to see you too. Love you, wonderful. <laughs> At a moment there, I was like, okay, whatever. We're all offended differently too. Some of us are easily offended. Others of us, it just washes off your back and you're like, and you're thinking, did that bother you? What? All offended differently. Some of us express our offense differently. Some of you get offended and you just go quiet. And you withdraw. Some of us get offended and we get passive aggressive. <laughs> Still smiling, but I'm going to get you. And some of us get aggressive when we're offended. Maybe we raise our voices, we're in your face, we're going after that person right away. All different ways, all different styles. Don't text somebody right now, I think he was talking about you. Because the reality is sometimes you offend people and you're not even aware of that. Has that ever happened to anybody in the room? And sometimes you just say something, I, whoa, I didn't know. Sometimes we gotta learn a little bit. But the reality is that all of us have opportunity to get offended and you might have already been offended in this service. It was too loud. Or it was, why did pastor come up in the middle? Or I don't know. You don't like that I'm wearing jeans. I, so many opportunities that I give you people to be offended in one service. It's powerful. But actually, in all seriousness, the goal is to help all of us get over our anger and offense and maybe even over some unforgiveness that's often attached to it. Because it's with the help of God, we can model a different way in a world gone crazy, a world on fire with anger. That's why today we're going to talk about how to stop being offended. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word is quick. We thank you that your word is powerful. We thank you that your word divides asunder between our thoughts and the intents of our heart. Thank you that you, your word uh, adjusts us, that your word corrects us, that your word trains us in righteousness, how to live. And that, Lord, I pray that we would allow by the power of the Holy Spirit, your word to read us today, adjust us, not just the person on our right or on our left, but us in the strong name of Jesus. And everyone said, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of James. It's in the back half of the New Testament after Hebrews, book of James. It is really raining right now. So the book of James chapter one, James is one of the more practical uh, books of the Bible, of the New Testament, I should say. Uh, it's, he doesn't let you get away with a lot. He wrote this book to the, the, the believers who were scattered all over the known world at that time. Uh, he says things like, if you're a Christ follower, there should be some evidence of it. Not, you can't just have faith without works. You need to actually show it in your life. He says things like, um, hey, when you go through trials, count it all joy. He's one of our favorites for that because trial, trials are gonna strengthen you. He reminds us to do things like treat the rich and the poor equally. Don't favor one over the other. And then he encourages us to keep loving God 
through and under trials, which brings us to verse 19 of chapter one. Well, this will kind of be the basis for today. Uh, My dear brothers and sisters, so if you're a follower of Jesus, he's talking to you. Take note of this. Everyone, someone say everyone. Mm. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And he's writing this to Jesus' followers in the middle of a world that actually hated them. Jesus' followers who lived in a culture that was secular, pluralistic, anti-Christian. The church was not in favor in any way, shape, or form. And he he says, I'm going to talk to you about how to live in the middle of that world. Be quick to what? Slow to... Slow to become angry. Be quick to listen. (laughs) I have to admit that sometimes I think I get those mixed up. Anybody else? I find myself too often doing the opposite. Quick to become angry, quick to voice my opinion or vent my feelings and slow to listen. Maybe I'm the only one in the room though, but isn't it true that that, even though that was written 2,000 years ago, it's still applicable today? Quick to listen slow to speak, slow to become angry. Wow. What would it look like in our lives, in our relationships, if we lived like that? As Christ followers, we are called to model the way of Jesus, not the way of the culture. So be quick to listen. And we look at Jesus. It's interesting that Jesus was directly asked over 180 questions. He answered three of them. Wanted to listen. He asked over 300 questions. He was others focused. He wanted to understand where people were coming from. He wanted to draw people in. He wanted them to understand themselves and what they were really asking. He was quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Jesus did get angry a few times for sure, but it was not just because his toes got stepped on or because someone had a different opinion than him. It was about real issues. It was not his default posture. And in our culture today, angry has become a normal and overblown emotion. I'm angry and you're all going to hear it. Whoa, okay. We get angry and proclaim our position and ridicule and mock anybody who doesn't follow our position often. We can be angry at political leaders, sometimes for Good reason for abuse of power, things that look a little shifty or shady. Even some Christ followers believe it's okay to curse our political leaders. Social media in the place where we're at now, you can be angry about your issue and everyone can know about it. And then there are others that are angry that you aren't angry, that you aren't angry about what angers them. 24-hour news cycle that feeds the beast. Lap it up. And we are a culture that is easily angered. And some people like to be angry. We We don't like what makes us angry, but sometimes we actually enjoy the feeling of anger of anger because it helps us sometimes to feel morally superior to someone else, that we're in the right. And it can start to slide into this realm of where everyone who doesn't 
think the same as I think or believe the same as I believe is either evil or they're an idiot or they're an evil idiot. We're easily angered. I think the record of scripture is, is that it's not pleasing to God. So I want to ask this question, how effective is our anger? If we're easily angered, is it working? Is it making us more like Jesus? Is our anger pointing others towards an intimacy and the life and the freedom and the joy that's found in Jesus? Is it making us more loving? Is it drawing others into a more joyful life in Jesus? Let's look at the scripture again. James 1:19, and then we're gonna add verse 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone who... Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger, whether it's for a small offense or a large one, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger over someone's stance on some issue that's peripheral to the gospel does not accomplish the purpose that God desires. Our human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'm just reading Bible right now, right? So if you're offended, (laughs) does it mean we can never be angry? No, you're a human. You will experience anger at times. And we're gonna talk more about that in the next few weeks, but it's what we do with our anger. Ephesians 4 and 26 says, in your anger, do not sin. So you will get angry, but in our anger, what does it say? Do not sin. Hmm. We have to be really careful about how we handle offense. Jesus said this in Luke 17 and 1, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It's not a question of an opportunity to be offended, but what our response will be. John Bevere, who wrote The Bait of Satan, says this, our response to an offense determines our future. What do you mean, John? Well, here it is. The word offense in, in the Greek is a word that, which is the trigger of a hunter's trap. Think of a little mouse trap. When I was growing up in the interior, there was a time where we had a lot of mice, where you would open a drawer and a mouse would jump out at you. Or you would open a cupboard and a mouse would come in. And I don't know how they were getting in. Eventually, we closed all the holes and did all the things. But there was a time where we put out traps. And we put them under the stove. We put them in the cupboard. We put them here and put them there. And I can remember maybe I was four, five, six years old and having to like pull, o- pull open the drawer under the stove. And there we had a quad trap. Have you ever seen one of those? Mice are not brilliant. It's a quad trap with four holes into it, and often it would catch three or four mice. Didn't you think like, bro, like one guy is there, he's not good, he's like not moving, and you're gonna go in. I think I got this, it's okay. I'm gonna get the cheese, it's gonna be amazing. Guys, watch, But the place where the cheese is, the trigger is the word for offense. In other words, if you take it, what happens? Slam, you're trapped. We're hurt. The bait of offense, we trigger the enemy's trap 
and become captive. And knowingly or unknowingly. And when we're, then when we get hurt, we build walls to protect ourselves from pain. But these walls will end up hurting us. And the more they become, the more we keep them, they become strongholds that separate us from God and others. John Bevere goes on to say in his book, it is an unfortunate fact, and he's done lots of research on it, that not some, but many are offended and held captive. Whether you want to be or not, whether you intended to be or not, whether I intended to be or not, if I've grabbed a hold of offense, I am held captive to some degree in my life. But pastor, my anger is righteous anger because I'm angry over sin. And you might be, and there are times to be angry over things that break the heart of God. However, before we look at the sin of those people, Scripture directs us to pay attention to the plank in our eye before we pay attention to the speck in someone else's eye. Also, I don't know if you've noticed that our righteous anger over sin The reality is very often that we're angry about someone's sin for sure, but it's nearly always someone else's sin, not ours. So if we're honest, maybe not righteous anger, but sometimes it's self-righteous anger. Wow. Because let's be honest. Isn't it easier as a Christ follower to criticize their Whoever there are, they are, foul language and ignore my pride. Isn't it easier to judge their sexual sin and ignore my gossip? And will we let the Holy Spirit check us? Because that's all this is, that I'm, this is about this morning. Will we let the Holy Spirit search my words, your words, our attitudes, our social media posts, our interactions, our conversations. Have I offended you yet? Because Jesus is coming for everybody. He is not just this Papa Daddy in the sky, although he is that. He's also the King of the world. He's also the Lord of the church. He's also the builder of the church. He's also the one who adjusts us. He's also the one who corrects us. He's also the one that redirects us. He's also the one who, no, whatever he lays down for our life is the best way for our life. It's not always the easiest way. It's not always the cultural way, but it's the best way. The kingdom culture is different. We tend to think that our anger is justified because it's our anger. So I'll say it again. How effective is our anger? Are we drawing people to the grace and the goodness and the kindness of Jesus because of our anger? Is it bringing you more joy? Is it blessing and enhancing our marriages? Is it giving our children a more stable home to grow up in? One that's a blessing to others? Or are we always criticizing? What we have to do as followers of Jesus on some of the peripheral things of our life is we have to decide, do I want to make a point or do I want to make a difference? Because sometimes in our zeal to make a point, we're not able to make a difference. We're making a point about something that is peripheral to the gospel, 
and we're not able to make a difference for the gospel. There was a religious lawyer who came up to Jesus and it says that he wanted to test him, catch him in a trap. And he said, what's the most important command? And Jesus said this in Matthew 22. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus didn't call us to be right first. He called us to be loving first. Now, did he call us to be right? Don't start going down that path. Yes, he did. He called us to lead with love though. But Craig, you gotta be angry to fight against injustice. You might have anger, but love has to be your motivation to change. Because the best fighters aren't ready to fly off the handle all the time. The best fighters or soldiers are ones that have strength and power under control, self-control, the control of the Holy Spirit. Meek, not weak. And as disciples of Jesus, how do we battle against spiritual forces of darkness in our world anyway? The Bible is very clear. Our battle is not against people first. Our battle is against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realm. Before it's ever a battle with the person in front of you or me. And in Ephesians 6 where it tells us, it ends this, this section with exhorting us to pray. That our primary and first response is prayer. But I can be honest, isn't it easier to post than to pray? Isn't it easier to talk about something than it is to pray about something? Pastor, how dare you? Are you trying to shut my opinions down? Friend, I'm simply asking, before we post about an issue, before we talk about an issue, before we engage in a heated conversation, have we prayed about the issue? Because if we do, I suspect our tone and our perspective might change. Motivated by love, not by anger. Lead with love, not by anger. Now, Jesus was full of grace and truth. He wasn't just, oh, I just love you and I'm never gonna say anything. No, he directly addressed issues with people. He was full of grace and truth. Are we trying to make a point or are we trying to make a difference? Are we trying to win an argument or are we trying to win people for Jesus? We can't confuse those two. So how can we stop being offended? Wow. One, lower our expectations of people. What do you mean, Craig? Have you ever thought this before? Somebody does something or you read something and you're like, I can't believe they would do that. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe that. Mm. The apostle Paul was writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he told him in the last days, people would behave a certain way. And in 2 Timothy 2, 3, it says this, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Wow, you covered everything, Paul, thank you. Why are we still shocked though by people's sin? It doesn't make it right, but sinful people do what? Sinful things often. And none of us are Jesus. He's the only perfect one in the story. I will disappoint you. 
If you hang around me long enough, I will say something stupid. I can guarantee it. I will do something stupid. And I've hung around some of you and you're right there with me. But the reality is that Jesus was never shocked by self-centeredness. He was never scandalized by immorality. The woman at the well who had been married five times was living with someone who was not her husband. Jesus was not like, whoa, I've got to tell Peter and John about this. I can't believe this. What is happening? Like, can you believe? We're, this is not gossip. This is prayer. This is so we can pray. Doesn't that? He didn't yell at her. He didn't withdraw from her. He addressed the issue and then offered her living water and said, there's a new way for you. There's a better way for you. He wasn't motivated or moved or angry. He was motivated and moved by love first. He said, there's another way. Peter, who, if you're a person who's always getting your foot stuck in your mouth, he is your patron saint. He would say things that are like, oh my goodness, Peter, did you say that again? He's bragging, he's boasting. Uh, he, he was the one who cut off someone's ear with the, the sword. He was impulsive. He denied Jesus three times. He abandoned Jesus at his moment of greatest need. And Jesus didn't quit on Peter. He didn't go on a rant about how terrible Peter was. In fact, his one of his next conversations with Jesus post-resurrection, Peter was sitting there and Jesus said, do you love me? And he asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter, yes, I love you. He forgave Peter and kept on loving Peter and eventually restored Peter. So how do we stop being offended? One, lower our expectations of people. Two, raise our gratitude for God's grace. Because all of us, all of us, everyone in the room has need of grace. We could have a real interesting morning if we asked for a show of hands, who has sinned this week? And then got real specific. Have you lied? Hands raised. I'm not, I'm not asking for that right now. Cheated, looked lustfully, envied, cussed, gossiped, drunk. Have you been drunk? Unforgiveness, hatred, watched pornography, been unloving, complained, worried. The point is that all of us all the time need all the grace we can get. Lower our expectation of others and raise our gratitude for God's grace. Thank God for his grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourself. It's the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. I'm pretty good. No, no one can boast. Whatever situation we've done, how, no matter how badly we've sinned, no matter how, how much has gone on in the last week, the last month, from the beginning of your life, that God's grace is more. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. When you have been in the pit, he was in there with you, pulling you out. When you didn't know which way to go, he says, I'm coming after you. I can't figure it out, Lord. And he's ripping you up and saying, son or daughter, you just need more of me and I'm gonna walk with you and we're gonna make it, you're gonna make it, you're gonna make it, you're gonna make it. I don't know how, Lord, I'm here with you, son. And he pulls you up. 
Everyone, we never stop needing the goodness and the grace of God. The moment that you think you stop needing the grace of God, you're in a dangerous spot. I'm in a dangerous spot. We always need Jesus. He is not a prayer in a moment. He is a master and a leader who calls us forward, who leads us into triumph, who leads us out of darkness, who leads us out of our despair, who leads us out of our addiction, who leads us out of our hatred, who leads us out of our offense. Grace, 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 grace. Because the reality is, I've been stupid, you've been stupid, we've struggled with unforgiveness at times, you've got sin issues, I have sin issues, we're all just experts at different sins. I need God's grace, you need God's grace, we need God's grace for one another. John 8, Jesus is talking to a woman. Again, the religious leaders were trying to catch him and they brought a woman who was caught in the act, it says, of adultery. Always a good question is to ask, well, where was the guy if she was caught in the act? Some people think he was one of their buddies. But whatever the reason, there she is, surrounded by this angry group, all with rocks and saying, Jesus, The law says stone her. What do you say? Records him sitting down, writing in the dirt. Some people think he was writing their sins, some commentators. John, this sin. Fred, this sin. Oh, here's the name of his mistress. All that. Some people think that's what Jesus was doing. But the reality is whatever he was doing, he said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And so it says, one by one, beginning with the eldest, they dropped their stones and left. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus gets down beside her, says, woman, where are your accusers? She says, they're not here. He says, neither do I condemn you. And people want to stop right there. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So uh, the grace that forgives is also the grace that empowers. The grace that forgives you is also the grace that sustains you. The grace that bought you is the grace that leads you. The grace that pulled you out is the grace that propels you forward. But I just want to bring this home a little bit now. Lead with love, motivated by love, grace, and truth. Because when we've been hurt and we've been wronged, It's usually connected to a person. And often, maybe we don't articulate it the same way, but we're like, Jesus, what are you going to do about that? Because I know what I want to do. What are you going to do? Your anger will want to justify your right to hold the stone. I've been wronged. And that's the reality. And there's something in us that wants somebody to pay for my pain. Somebody needs to pay. Somebody did. His name is Jesus. And the reality is, 
can we drop the stone? And just like those guys dropped the stone and walked away and left her with Jesus, can we drop the stone and leave that situation and leave that person with Jesus and let him deal with them? Yeah, but he's just gonna forgive them like he did you, like he did me. Can we drop our rock and turn the pain and turn the person and turn the problem to Jesus. And I know I'm not asking lightly because I know some of the stories and I know and I've been around people long enough to know that there are some painful things when I say that. And even the reverberation of the rock almost but the reality is, that's a process, yes. This is the first step in the process. Can we turn, can we turn the pain? Can we turn the person? Can we turn the problem over to Jesus and let him deal with it? So there's an F word with that, forgiveness. Lord, I forgive them and I turn them over to you have your way with them because these shoulders, this back can't carry it. This heart can't sustain it. I'm not meant to carry it, but I'm going to cast that care on you. I can't carry it because here's the reality. Offense never lets you go. You have to let it go. only by grace for me, only by grace to me can I release grace to anyone else. But freely I have received as a follower of Jesus, freely I give and I drop my rock and I turn my pain, I turn my problem, I turn that person over to Jesus. I invite you to stand. Katie, whoever's on the keys, if you can find your way there. Offense never lets you go. You have to let it go. Lower our expectations of people. We're all sinful. Raise our gratitude of God's grace. And then drop a rock. You see, Jesus didn't call us to be right first. He called us to be loving first. Because our goal isn't to make a point and win an argument. Our goal is to make a difference for Jesus and win a person. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness or the life that God desires. It's been heavy today and I can feel it and I'm well aware of that. I was gonna invite you though just to Close your eyes for a moment and just invite the Holy Spirit. I suspect that some of you already have somebody in mind when I talk about the rock that's kind of clenching your hand. 
could be somebody you've never even met but has brought pain in your life could have been somebody that was a long long time ago we were doing set free at various times and there are sometimes people just say I can't forgive here's what I always would say Jesus help me to be willing to forgive I, I, my, I don't feel it right now but I, help me to be willing and I'm by your power I'm going to choose to forgive it doesn't preclude them ever never experiencing consequences for their sin whether that's legally or in some other way it's not saying that that's not important but it's simply re- removing the control of that offense and unforgiveness from your own life your forgiveness for my quiet simmering offense or my bubbling passive aggressive offense or my aggressive offense anger welcome you Holy Spirit thank you that you are good Jesus that whatever you call us to you enable us to do that for every command there's power for every promise there's a process and there's power so I invite you just to ask the Holy Spirit Lord is there is there an offense I need to release Take a moment. Say, Lord, I release that to you. I'm dropping a rock and I'm I'm saying, Lord, I forgive them and I'm going to turn them over to you. Remember, this is part of the story. This is not all of it. This is one week in five. But I'm going to begin by dropping the rock of my right to be right and I'm going to release it to you and trust you. Just take a moment and maybe in the quietness of your own heart say, Lord, I release that person. I release that situation. I release that pain right now to you. I'm dropping the rock. My right to be right. My right to be vindicated. My right. And I'm trusting you. Help us, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us to live unoffendable. But for right now, Lord, help us to release the offenses. Maybe in the quietness of your own hearts, pray something like something like this. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I've been carrying this. You brought it to my attention. So whether it seems big or small right now, I want to release it to you. I release that situation. I release that person, maybe even name them in your mind. I release that problem. I don't want to carry it. I don't want it to trap me. I don't want it to harm me. I don't want it to harm my family. I don't want it to be a a way in for the enemy to build a stronghold in my life. I repent. I want nothing to do with it. I don't want offense to hold me, so I want to release it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you that in repentance there's freedom. Thank you that vengeance is yours, not mine.
And Lord, we pray that you would help us to not be offended, that we would lower our expectations of other people, recognizing that we're all sinners, and we would raise our gratefulness and our gratitude for your grace for all of us, people in need of grace, people need to that would need to receive grace, people that need to extend grace. Thank you, Lord, that as imperfect people, we serve a perfect God who is able to work in us, to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Thank you, Lord, that even in things that, the offenses that have real pain attached to them, that you're able to heal, you're able to make whole, you're able to take basket cases and make something beautiful out of our lives. We trust you, Jesus. I'll just take a moment and thank Jesus for his grace. Out loud, thank you for Jesus for your goodness. Thank you for your grace for me. Thank you for your kindness to me. Thank you for your forgiveness for me. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you've never left me. Thank you that you never forsake me. Thank you that you're able to make good out of evil. Thank you that everything that the enemy intended for evil in my life, you're turning around for my good and your glory. We look to you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for our, all of our family here those that are listening in Princeton, those that are listening online, and we acknowledge our absolute desperate need for Jesus. If, if, you, if you would acknowledge that again afresh today, just raise your hand all over the room and just ask, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. I ask you to empower me to live. I ask you to empower me to love well, to, to love you well and be loved by you, to love others well and receive love well. I acknowledge my absolute desperate need for Jesus. Without you, I can do nothing. We thank you for your kindness and your goodness. In the strong name of Jesus, amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.